Guys, thanks so much for joining us for another episode of Schooled. Um, we are rounding out the end of Women's History Month with another topic that is uh, very pertinent to a lot of women of all ages, um, and that is self-care. And today, uh, I'm Nia Ham. I'm joined by some amazing women who know a lot about self-care, professionals in their fields. Um, so I'm going to go around the table for those of you who cannot see us and introduce each of you one by one. Erin, um, we'll start with you, or Dr. Erin Steer. Um, we'll start with you, and why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. So um, I'm a doctor. Um, I own my own wellness company. I work in the digital, mental, and physical health space, um, and do a lot of research in that area as well internationally. So, great, great, great. And Shireen Fernandez, Dr. Shireen Fernandez, why don't you tell us about yourself? Sure, Nia. Thanks for having me here. First of all, yeah. Um, I am a doctor. I don't practice anymore. Um, but I'm also very involved in health and wellness, and I have a large women's group that I mentor. And I'm just so happy to be here and share my thoughts with you. Great, great. Um, and Victoria, why don't you tell us about yourself? Hi, Nia. Thanks for having me. My name is Victoria Albina. I'm an integrative and functional medicine family nurse practitioner here in New York City, and I do cognitive behavioral life coaching with clients around the world. Great. Okay. That was awesome. You guys are awesome. You have so much experience. I can't wait to get into this conversation. And the first thing I want to do is first help me define what self-care is because it's a hashtag. A lot of people use it. And it seems to me that it's it's being used for a number of different meanings. But at least when it comes to your practices, how would you define self-care? We'll start with you, Victoria. So I define self-care as all of those things that we do every day to take care of ourselves. And I think it's really important to empower people, particularly those people who are socialized as women, to take back the meaning of self-care for themselves. And I love that you started with the hashtag. I think that's one of the problems and how we can get into like this really capitalist, neoliberal framework around what self-care is and that it's going to a Grecian island and like getting a <laughs> massage with cucumber slices on your eyes. And it's not attainable for most mammals, particularly in cities like this one. Um, we're here in New York. And I really want to empower people to take it back and not have it be about spending a ton of money and doing these things that take you outside of your everyday life and your everyday ritual but rather saying, I'm going to take two seconds this morning to take five deep breaths. Mm. And that's my self-care today. Mm. I'm going to drink this coffee anyway, so I'm going to drink it slowly today, mm. and that'll be my self-care. So that's, that's where I start with the idea, is just making space for yourself and to live into your best life, however you're defining it today. Wow. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Shereen, how about you? So I wrote down because I'm like, it can go so many different ways. But to, to just to be focused on it, it's I think it's like the one of the most important concepts in keeping our minds happy and productive. And I think when everybody thinks about self-care, you're thinking about hygiene and practicing healthy habits. And I think it's more than that. For me, I define it as self-care to me means that you feed your imagination. Mm -hmm. You're indulging your interests and curiosities and you're keeping your mind open to the breath of knowledge and experience that it wants to fulfill it. So I guess to each person it's different, mm -hmm. but to me it's a combination of a triune and I think we're all triunes. It's, we're a combination of mind, body, and spirit. Mm -hmm. So it, it implies in all three aspects of it. Mind, body, spirit, it's yes. holistic, <laughs> right. Erin, um, how about you? Yeah, so I would agree with what everybody else said. Um, I would 
definitely emphasize that uh, self-care is not a luxury brand. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know wellness and self-care sort of become synonymous. um, And wellness is a billion-dollar industry right now. And a lot of people are like, oh, I have to spend money on this, this, you know, this detox and that. Um, So I think we have to emphasize things that everyone can do, um, such as sleep, eating right, and stress relief. And now the research is sort of catching up with that, right? You know, if you get a good night's sleep, uh, you're going to cut down on your chances of getting becoming obese or you're going to cut down on your chances of becoming depressed. So I think the good news is that conventional research is catching up with what the the wellness people, you know, sort of on the outside of convention have thought. So that to me, you know, it's like the basics. Sure, yeah. And so one of the things that's interesting, and I'm sure it might have been called something else, you know, 50 years ago, but yeah. it's interesting how the idea of self-care has evolved over the last several decades, really. Um, and I I wondered what you thought, um, why you thought that was, and, and how you think it has evolved, and has it been to the benefit of us women or to the detriment of us women, the way self-care, the idea of it has evolved? Anybody can jump in. I think it's evolved to catch up to the present time. Like, we've changed. Our times have changed. Everything's changing. So it just makes sense to catch up. And we have more voice. Like, we, we're more open. We, we talk about what we want more. So I think back then, way back then, when we didn't speak as much and voice our opinions, it's definitely changed to catch up to what we, what we really want in this world. Yeah, and when you say we, you mean like women, women, right. women, gotcha. okay. women power. <laughs> sure, sure, yeah, and and I agree with that because I mean there was a time when women, you know, not that long ago, were not focused on their own maintenance, right? Their own mental and physical health and clarity and well-being. We we are you know conditioned to be caretakers, right? So self care didn't really factor into the equation of our lives for at least for my mom and and her mom and you know before. For that, so I think personally, it seems like it's something that is a, a little more, you know, new. Maybe within the last thirty years or so. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think? Well, so as you're talking, I, I think what has happened is a shift for a lot of people from this, doing the same activities but calling it something different, mm-hmm. right? So my mom like did Jane Fonda in the basement every morning and didn't call it self care. She called it like sticking to a beauty standard and like trying to be slim above all. Mm-hmm. And I love you, Carmen, you're the best. And we're Argentine and she wants to be skinny, right? right? And I think we can now, with a different framework and with a different mentality and way of thinking about it, do the same kind of self-care aerobics, self-care movement, self-care yoga, self-care cup of tea, and just frame it in a different way, which... I deeply believe in a cognitive behavioral framework, right, that our thoughts lead to our feelings. And so we feel good doing a thing if we're having the thought, this is a thing that's good for me. Um, So I think that's one thing. And then I would also go, right, like if we think about uh, movements for social change, like the Black Panthers had a huge health focus. In Nicaragua, the Sandinista had a huge health focus. Mm -hmm. I don't think this framework that we can change as a society and create social change and be activists. I work with a lot of activists in self-care. I don't think the framing is new, but I agree in this modern, you know, digital age, the conversation has shifted to... Now I'm being told because I'm seeing it on Instagram and so everybody's doing it and I have to do it. 
not only do I have to get up, get the children and the dog and the whatever fed into school and to whatever, work full time, come home, make dinner, and deal with all these things of daily life, like the activities of daily life, now I have to like fit time in to meditate? Yeah. Like this is crazy. <laughs> like right. who can actually do this? And so that's a thing I I work with the folks I work with a lot. Like my clients are dealing with this struggle of trying to fit self-care in while also dealing with the draw to Facebook and the draw mm-hmm. to Instagram, a media overload. And I think that's where you brought up the issue that things are changing, right? It's a new world, 2018. And I think, you know, it comes down to thinking about how you want to think about your life and feel and making room and space for the things that really matter and not the should do's. And it shouldn't be a chore. right? Amen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Agreed. Okay. Right. I mean, and, and that's how I feel. I yeah. feel that pressure, that weight. Like, mm-hmm. you know, if I if I know I'm going too fast and I'm not taking time for myself, and and then I and I'm like, wait, I don't even know when I'm going to fit time in for myself, you know? Right. And then I get stressed about that. <laughs> right. Know? And it's almost self defeating mm-hmm. in that way. Absolutely. Right? Yeah, yeah, it really can be. I think it's pausing to realize that saying I feel overwhelmed is a choice. Hmm. Right. It's just a thought choice that leads to a feeling. Your cortisol goes up. Stress hormones are up in your body. Your body responds with fight or flight and you feel stressed in response to the thought. There's so much to do. I'm so overwhelmed. I have to do it. Go faster. Go more. Go faster. Go more. That's my life. (sighs) It's a vicious vicious cycle. It really is. 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 And it's taking that pause to say what needs to shift. And like, can I get up in the morning and stretch for four minutes? Hmm do prayer or meditation or whatever works for me instead of hopping right on Facebook. That pause is so important. I, mm. I read uh, Tara Brock's book yes. um, recently, and Ugh. oh my gosh, that sacred pause yeah, <laughs> changed my life. It. Sorry, yeah. Dr. Sarah, Aaron, I don't know. I feel like if you, if you go to medical school, you should really use those <laughs> letters. <laughs> I'm, from, I'm from like small town PA, so okay. just like Aaron, like I have nicknames, you know. Okay. Um, so I think I work with a lot of women um, and the biggest thing that they tell me is that they don't have time. So it's this work-life balance. Um, and one thing I noticed amongst them, and they're all really successful, um, and you know, from young women to even, like older women, um, they compare themselves to each other. And yes. the digital aspect, the Instagram, the Facebook, it adds that element of comparison. And then you have like these filters and the Photoshopping. <laughs> so it's like, wow, this this girl over here has this great job and she looks like this and like, what's wrong with me? And, um, you know, comparison is the thief of joy, like at any age. And I think um, you have to learn to kind of unplug and like use the digital tools in kind of like an optimal way. and. And also check in with yourself. Like to me, mm-hmm. um, self-awareness uh, can save you from, you know, just about anything. Right. Um, and so I always stress using your senses because that's how you experience the environment around you. Um, and that's how you tune in with yourself. That's how you know yourself. So I always tell people, you know, when you need to unplug, just like use your, use your senses and figure out what's going on. How are you feeling? Um, and then don't and do it without judgment. Um, I'm so glad you brought up the um, digital aspect because yeah. this show really does cater um, to, you know, I call it a, sh- a podcast uh, for young adults who are still learning how to do life. And I feel yeah. like I very much fit that category. I'm a millennial, but I I know that people in my age group, everything is hijacked by social media, yeah. right? And so I have a, a difficult time really understanding where self-care fits into my life. 
um, in the context of what everybody else is doing. And I guess that's why I wanted to do this show, because exactly for the reasons you just mentioned, that people should understand that it's about what suits your life and what makes sense to you and not, you know, what everybody else is doing. And and it shouldn't be, you know, this competition, you know, Um, like I get you want to look cute in yoga pants, you know, you want to go to a trendy gym. That's totally fine. Right. But like. The reason shouldn't be because you're in competition, right, Right. with other people at that gym or you're trying to, you know, everybody wants to live their best life. And now that's a competition, (laughs) you know. Um, But so with that, um, Erin, you wrote a book. Um, yeah. Manic Kingdom, I right? Did. Yeah. Um, and and I'm not going to give it away because I'm, you know, I don't want to ruin it for people who haven't read it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's it's really interesting that you do this work, and it's based on a true story, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, and so I wanted to know how did self care help you in your own personal journey, going from somebody who dealt, you know, with mental health issues, yeah. to now somebody who has overcome them and is helping other people along their own personal journeys. Yeah. Well, I think being um, authentic about it. So, you know, I went from the military to medicine. I, I had a lot to deal with, um, had what I would call a bona fide breakdown. Um, and when I looked back, I wasn't eating right. I wasn't sleeping. Um, my social network, social capital is something I really want to stress. It's so important. It's your social network. It's who you hang out with. It's who you're listening to because you really do. You internalize all of that. Um, my social network was not good. Um, it's better now. Um, so... And I also tell people, you know, like, yeah, you're trending upwards. Like when people say, talk about this concept of like recovery and how self-care plays into that, um, I always say it's important to do those things, but also kind of embrace uncertainty and ambiguity so you're able to handle that because you don't know. I mean, God forbid something happens to someone you love. You know, you have to be able to, or, you know, your dog or whoever, your cat, whatever, your boyfriend dumps you, your girlfriend dumps you, whatever. Um, you have to still be able to kind of like handle that. And that's where self-care comes in, like mm-hmm. having a routine set and then knowing what your go-to kind of like your emergency kit, your your emergency plan, um, that can really help you in those times where you're like trending down. Mm-hmm. So okay. I use trending up and trending down instead of like, yeah, smooth sailing. It's just not how it is. What <laughs> was your what was your routine or how did you use self-care to bring you back, you know, from the brink? Um, yeah, so for me it was... Uh, back to the basics. It was um, sleep hygiene, like going to bed when the sun went down, I'm getting up when the sun went up, turning off my phone, getting rid of it at night, um, eating health, like the Mediterranean diet. And studies show that. I know there's all these, and I, I write a lot about food and mood, but um, it, you know, you can get into, you can fall into the trap of reductionism where you're like, yeah, it's fish oil, you know, yeah, it's um, eggs, whatever. But really, it's kind of like the whole thing. You have to look at the whole picture. So I try to follow like a healthy diet, go easy on the alcohol, um, and and then focus on quality relationships. Like I'm an empath. So if I get in the bad relationship, I'm like, you know, it messes me up for a while. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. You know, and then I like, but then I'm like, okay, then I'm going to write more. I'm going to like run more. Um for me, running was like life saving. Like I, that's my nature's Prozac. Mm. So, and my mom, my mom always knew that about me. She's like, Aaron, go for a run. And I had like complaining and bitching the whole way. And then I come back and I'm like a new person. Right. So <laughs> just little things like that. Um, and you have to, there's an effort though. There is a choice when, sometimes when you're too depressed, you get that lead pipe rigidity and you don't want to move. And I respect that. And, but in between, 
you know, there and is sometimes that moment. you need that too. Sometimes you need that, but yeah. there is a sometimes that, like there's that brief moment when you can force yourself to kind of move, and that's really important. And force sounds like a tough word, but mm-hmm. it's to me it was just it was vital. So yeah, yeah. yeah. How do you guys advise your clients when it comes to self-care and mental health, um, you know, to form a regimen or a schedule or a routine that, you know, helps their mental hygiene, you know, stay up to par? Yeah, so I think about the habenula, one of my favorite parts of the brain. It's the failure center of the brain. And oh, so, yeah. Mine's um, on overdrive. Right? <laughs> um, so I'm going to get wicked nerdy here. I hope that's okay. Totally fine. Fabulous. It's what I excel at. Um, <laughs> nerdetry. So in short, evolutionarily, this part of our brain is wired to record failure and hold on to that recording real tight. So you live in a cave. It's a couple thousand years ago. You go down to the watering hole to gather some berries. There's no berries, but there's lions so you run back to your cave Mm -hmm. and you have to remember do not go to there there is death and there is doom and there is either the watering hole with the lions and the lack of resources or it's the gym or meditation or yoga or journaling if you push yourself too hard and too fast so I'm a big fan of taking massive action of setting goals and challenging yourself every day to move towards them. But I advise that we take tiny, tiny steps. Mm. I like to jokingly say that a baby's foot, like a baby step, is way too big for the average human. And so <laughs> we should take kitten steps, right. like little teeny tiny kitten steps to move you towards success. So I don't think anyone who has never meditated should try to meditate for 20 minutes. Right. Like it's a recipe, right, for your habenula to freak out. Mm-hmm. How about you meditate for 10 breaths? Call that a success, right? Mark it on your calendar, right? Succeeded at meditating. And then tomorrow, go for 11 breaths, but maybe pause there for a while, right? But set a goal, mark your calendar. Six months from now, meditating for 10 minutes a day. Mm. Right? Yeah. We know that meditation relieves stress physiologically, right? There's plenty of science to support the benefit of things like meditation right now. And I also want to pause and invite people as they're thinking about how things like meditation can fit into their lives and self care and mental hygiene that you brought up. There's no one right way to meditate. Like, right. you don't have to be like a monk on a hill, like right. dressed in robes <laughs> and feeling the right to wear winds in your hair. Yeah. Right. And that's, we got to be who we are. Right. right. And for me, that means that every time I feel that stress come up in my body, Dr. Aaron, you talked about listening and checking in with our bodies, feeling energy. When we feel energy moving through our bodies that feels like stress, take a deep breath Mm -hmm. and know that you've meditated. And if sitting down doesn't work for you, right, if that's not in line with your accessibility right now, lie down. There's plenty of reclining Buddhas. Like, that's a thing. Right. Or go for a walk. But instead of putting on your headphones, I mean, listen to this podcast, of course, but like putting on your headphones and like tuning out, tune into your body. So true, actually. And Tara Brock talks about that yeah. in her book. Um, and it has really been a game changer for me because I have like massive anxiety and I've had it for a long time. And it can be so debilitating mm. sometimes um, because my whole body just shuts right. down. Like physically just Mm -hmm. can't operate. Um, And so naming your feelings Mm -hmm. has been life changing for me. Like taking that pause and naming your feelings 
exactly like what's going on in your mind at the time and then finding where it's manifesting mm. in your body I mean oh my gosh like for me that is self-care absolutely that is self-care and it's like truest form because you're actually like you said in tune getting in tune with your mind and your body at the same time and I can in those moments I can feel my anxiety level decreasing my cortisol levels decreasing and I can feel myself coming back to myself Um, but it's such a chore like for me I have to remind myself it's a daily a daily struggle every single day and I don't know if it's because that's the way we're hardwired you know living in in the metropolitan area I'm sure if I lived like in Montana somewhere it just wouldn't <laughs> be this way um but you mentioned failure mm. and that um what do you call that part of the brain again habenula habenula I'm going to google that when Please I go do. home um, but that is something that I think for a lot of women, we get caught up in. I know mm. I do. I get caught up in a lot. Um, and you also mentioned your your social capital and Dr. Sarah. And then, Shireen, you mentioned you have a woman's support group. How important, in your opinion, is it to have in your social circle friends who recognize, you know, what it means to to practice self-care and to incorporate that into your life and how can women better support each other in doing that do you think i find um self-care with women you know when they're they're so busy with their lives so they always put themselves last and when they don't think of it that way they say oh my god maybe i'm being selfish i need to take care of my kids i need to take care of my family i need there's so many things on their list but I think it's so important to change that word selfish into selfless. Mm. You need to take care of yourself. It's self-love. Mm-hmm. I think it's synonymous with self-care. If you don't love yourself, how can you possibly have the capacity to love others? So true. So I think that's foremost like so important for women, no matter what age they are, no matter what place of their life they're in, to, to make it a ritual to like love yourself first and I think that's so important because it will manifest into all areas of your life and I I always like talk about that and I you know make sure people understand that so I think that's very important I'm curious how did you all get into the field of wellness and self-care to begin with you can just jump in um so for me um it was my own experience um you know, with feeling bad and trying to find help and finding that help was less than optimal. Um, and also, um, I'm from a military background and seeing my friends sort of turn to being pumped up with a lot of medication. And then they hit this point where they're like, oh my God, I'm on nine medications and I'm 26. I got to get off of this. For PTSD? Or? PTSD, anxiety, insomnia. And then it was like, okay, now you have this side effect, this medication. And there was no emphasis on self-care. Mm-hmm. It was sort of all this reliance on medication. Um, so, and that's kind of also where a strong, um, social network, social capital came into play. Um, and I just, I'd want to just mention one more thing, because I think it's really important. Um, occupational stress, family stress, all of that, if you lose your job, that can really impact your mental health and your physical health, right? It's just, it's a cycle. Having a really good supportive social network can create opportunities for you. Um, and we have this epidemic of loneliness right now. Um, yes. And it's, it's yes. linked to increased morbidity and mortality. Um, so the social capital is lacking completely for a lot of people. Um, Even though we're more socially connected totally. than ever. Right. That's, and yeah, and, pop, you know, our population is continually going up. Um, 
And so, yeah, that's really lacking. So if you might lose your job and it's a downward spiral, you know, you get depressed, you start smoking, you start eating badly and, you know, knowing when to reach out. And if you have that network, you can be connected to new opportunities. And then, you know, we all feel good when we get a new job, we get, you know, someone takes a chance on us, we get in a new relationship. So to me, that's that's probably really important, um, in which I continually stress with wellness. Um, So, yeah. How'd you get into this, Shireen? I got actually into it like with spiritual wellness because I just thought it was so interconnected, but it was so separated. Like we never really looked at it as a whole. So when I started telling you, it's about incorporating your mind, body, and spirit, where it's all connected. We're not just like when you get sick, it's because there's something else deeper inside that's manifesting as a sickness. So it's very important to remember we are all a triune. It's mind, body, and spirit. So I thought. That was like related to wellness, and I think everybody should incorporate that more in their daily lives. Not and you, something and is you, an option. In your like medical training, do you no. feel like yeah, it's not emphasized at no, all? We, at they all. didn't teach us that no. in school at all, and I think that's important to have this as a subject for sure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So I I will, in my own way, echo what my colleagues here have said. So I came to do healing work and medical work and. Uh, this kind of wellness work because I was really sick. So I had mm-hmm. what was diagnosed as IBS, which we know is a mm-hmm. diagnosis of exclusion, which is the polite way of saying it's garbage, right? You don't like, know. Yeah, yeah. It's like, exactly. Oh, I guess it's not cancer today. <laughs> right. So right. here's oh some gosh. IBS yeah. for you. I have my own story about that, but oh. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I learned to heal myself because I went to. 475 million of the best specialists on the planet. You do? (laughs) Right? And each one was like, you should do something else that's completely crazy and will unlikely help you. Mm -hmm. Right? Like drugs to turn my gut off. Got Mm. drugs to turn the gut back on. And Mm. nothing was actually geared towards healing. Right. And so that's part of why I went into medicine. So I trained as an herbalist first and was a birth doula for many years. Um, Explain for people who don't know what that is. Explain what that is. Uh, Birth doula? Yes. Oh, birth doulas are awesome. (laughs) So I sort of half-jokingly explain doulas as the social worker of birth. So your midwife or other medical provider is there to take care of the physiologic, right? Like, is the baby coming now? Is she stuck? Is, like, what's going on physically? What are everyone's vitals? And the nurses are really busy supporting that care. Mm -hmm. And so no one's attending to the woman, Mm -hmm. right? Like, this Mm -hmm. baby being born is the... Like the second, right, the water breaks, the woman's irrelevance and all that matters is the baby, which is like babies matter, too. But (laughs) let's not forget the woman who is giving birth. Right. right? We're calling it delivering a baby like it's a pizza, which implies someone else is doing the work. Right. The woman is birthing. And so a doula helps and supports her. Um, But anyway, so does that explain that for you? Yes, yes, yes. Fabulous. If you're pregnant out there, considering (laughs) it, get a birth doula. They're magical. Um, So I trained as an herbalist, worked as a, trained and worked as a doula and wanted more because I'm really nerdy. Um, So I got an MPH and became an epidemiologist so I could read studies and understand them and like get it. And when I was looking for more medical training, I chose to be a nurse practitioner because it does address more of the psychosocial portions of life, right? Mm -hmm. Like nurses were the ones, you know, in the hospitals who said, let's open the windows and like Mm -hmm. get fresh air in here (laughs) and sunshine and take people outside. It's a more holistic practice in which I still get to diagnose and prescribe and order tests and do all of that. Um, And I have found a way to heal myself by bringing Mm -hmm. all of these modalities and the cognitive behavioral pieces in. Because like my colleagues here again have said, 
it's not just a body that's just like a collection of organs. Right. Right. There's something else to us that's beautiful and magical. And if we're going to truly and deeply heal ourselves in a lasting and sustainable way, we need to address the way we're thinking about our bodies. Are we stuck in sick behavior? Mm, right. Are yeah. we thinking of ourselves as the victim of our own physiology or the victim of circumstance? Right. Are our bodies, are we telling a story, my body is against me? If you keep telling your, yourself, if you keep telling your body these stories, it's going to be harder to heal. Mm -hmm. And so the work I do is to help people understand, again, that our thoughts create our feelings. And so while I order cortisol tests and stool tests and blood work and look at the physiology, we have to work on healing that mind-body connection in a deep, deep way if we're ever going to be, truly be well. And these daily rituals of self-care that we're here to talk about are a vital part of that work. And let's talk about, because you mentioned healing, a yeah. lot of people, I assume, come to you all when they need to heal mm -hmm. <laughs> and need to do so in a serious way. Um, you know, most people don't think of self-care when they're doing well, you know. Sure. So um, when it comes to healing, whether it's a trauma, whether it's um, a physical illness, whether it's mental health issues, what are some of the most, I guess, recommended best practices that you suggest for your clients? Um, and they, it could be, like I said, mental health, physical, whatever. Well, I would say I, I would start out, um, everyone that I've worked with, I always make them start out with a pen and a notebook, and I want them to record um, their day mm -hmm. and how they're feeling, what happens. Um, so, for instance, like I just to take IBS because that's related to so many trauma, stress. I'd be like, okay, what, what did you eat today? How did you feel after that? Did you feel good? Make a note. Like, did you feel worse? Make a note. Um, so, and and then just also kind of engaging in um, different, you know, exercise. Movement to me has always been very healing. Mm -hmm. um, even with chronic pain issues, the studies show that you should move, even if just a little bit. Um, and finding a movement that the person enjoys, like movement shouldn't be considered painful. I think like a lot of these, you know, exercise classes, um, you know, it, you know, basic training, boot camp, like, you know, spinning even, it's like, go, go, go. And people associate pain with that and yeah. discomfort. Um, but there's other things like um, something called Nia, which was, which, which was, is my name, but. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so that was, um, yeah, it was, found, uh, uh, Debbie Roses found it. And um, I, for me, it was so healing that I ended up getting certified as an instructor um, because it was about the joy of movement. Mm. And, you know, and not only that, but the addition of uh, expressing your feelings. Because um, today, we're, you know, we don't say anything. We're told not to say anything. And there you'd be like, you'd shout yes if you felt like good. You'd, you'd shout no if you, you know. So just, um, and that's not for everyone, though. That might be for more, someone who's a little more outgoing. Um, but just kind of like finding what works for you. So it's got to be... Um, an adventure. So it is an adventure. It's a journey. And don't force yourself to do something you don't like. Like, I don't like detoxing. Like, I mm. went to a juice camp and I, like, hated it. They mm. took my coffee away and I I thought I was just going to, like, die in this old house, yeah. like, upstate. <laughs> Truly. I'm like, I need to, I told my friend, I'm like, I need to leave now. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, it just wasn't for me. Right. 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 So, you know, and even they're like, you're going to get all the toxins out. I'm like, I don't care. I want them. Like, yeah, right. so, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's also that individual journal journey. Like, what works for you may not work for me. And that's okay. 
But so, so I'm hearing keep a, keep a record. Definitely. Be, be in tune with that and movement, you know. Yeah, try things. Be open to trying things. Mm-hmm. Um, but, be, you know, if you don't like something, then you don't have to do it. There's something else you can try. Um, there's so many options today. Like, so many, right? Yeah, so. yeah. How about you, Shireen? So I would focus back on, you know, addressing your mind, body, and spirit and really focusing on, like, what's, what's uh, out of balance maybe for individuals. Mm. So if you were just doing your mind, back to what my colleague said, like meditation is so important just to kind of focus in and take time out, focus on your breath, and that enables you to really be in the present moment. And when you're in the present moment, you're tuning out all the garbage in your head. You're focusing on your, your breathing. You're more aware of your feelings, your emotions at that moment or any given time. Um, to, for your body, I would say eat healthy. Um, whatever is bothering you, make a list of things that you want to kind of get out of your life and focus on it and work towards it. Sure. And yeah. for your soul, like do something that makes you happy. If it's like helping a stranger on the street, going and like if you don't have a pet, if you if pets make you happy, borrow a friend's pet and like you know stroke your stroke wow your pet. that's a great idea i never even considered that mm-hmm. i i mean i have my, I have my my dog and i love her but you know i'm, I'm so fond of pets if there's a pet around that it just changes your mood it elevates yeah. you unless you're allergic of course it's a different story yeah but just do little things daily don't like don't make it a chore just if you incorporate into your everyday life you'll know that this is not something that i have to do and make it a chore but it's something that you practice and become second nature yeah, you mentioned being present, um, and I realized the other day I I um, I've been I practice Buddhism. I have been meditating for a long time, like years, and I realized that I struggle with being present, mm. um, even though meditation is a daily part of my life. And part of that is because of the, what's that part of the brain again? Habenula. The, the habenula. <laughs> that is like on overdrive for me. I am my worst critic. I am always judging myself way more harshly than others. And I realized the other day I never even give myself permission to fail or make a mistake because that is how we learn. That is how mm-hmm. we grow. How can we grow if we don't fail, right? Mm-hmm. Failing forward is a, is another hashtag, but it's it's such a so key. Um, but <laughs> so I've been working on being present more. I was working on it so much the other day I got lost and drove like <laughs> 20 to 30 minutes outside of oh, my so uh, yeah. direction that I was supposed to go in but it felt so good mm-hmm. and the reason I did that is because I was listening to somebody else you know probably some guru talk about you know being present and just what it meant and it was so simple it was just like if you're cooking like really focus like on that cooking if you're driving really focus on that driving and focus on how you're feeling, you know, and and how it's manifesting. And I'm like, so simple, right? So I'm driving and I'm like, wow, this is great. Like, and I realized all the anxiety that I was normally feeling about everything I had to do in life that day, it just like disappeared, you know? And I found myself like an hour away from where I was supposed to be, but it was okay, you know? Um, so yeah, that, that being present is so key. And I'm glad you brought that up because it's another hashtag. And I feel like it doesn't get a lot of attention mm-hmm. and people just don't really understand what that means, you know? So thank you for that. Mm. Well, to going off what you were saying, I, what came to mind for me was the concept of being your own watcher, mm-hmm. which for me is the point of meditation and the point of mindfulness, right? Is to find a way to recognize that you are not your thoughts 
and you are not your feelings, right? You have the capacity to change your thoughts, mm. and that's really powerful. Sure. And I find it yeah. deeply empowering to recognize, okay, I'm feeling upset in this moment. What is, I'm thinking a thought that doesn't serve me, and that's my brain in its habitual, evolution-based, history-based, for some of us, trauma-based, um, experience, right? Like that is what my brain is used to thinking. So and so explain that for people, because hmm. this is probably very um, out of the ordinary for okay. a lot of people right listening. On. So what does it mean you're not your thoughts, mm. you're not your feelings? Okay, so as we have experiences in life, the brain interprets them. And until we actively change the way we come to think about a thing, it's going to be what we think about. So let, let me restart there. Um, so if we think about, I think most of us learned about Pavlov and Pavlov's dogs and like what's that like eighth or ninth grade mm -hmm. bio kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Quick primer, psychologist took a bunch of dogs, he would ring a bell and feed them, ring a bell and feed them. And when he would ring the bell, eventually they would salivate in advance of being fed. Right. And so he no longer had to feed them to get them to salivate. He would just ring the bell and they would have this response, right? right? Mm -hmm. And so if you're used to, you know, you become acclimated to, oh, my boss is a jerk and he's going to yell at me on Monday and that means something bad about me. That means I need to work harder. I need to work faster. I need to work differently. Me, me, me. It's his behaviors about me. You see the guy on Monday. Right. And let's go back to cortisol, right? Right. Like your anxiety, your cortisol, yep. that response is through the roof because your body has become habituated to this dude equals I'm in trouble. Right. Right. And not, I can see this guy and recognize that his grump on Monday morning is completely about him. I'm doing a great job and I'm doing my best. And I can choose to not personify this and not personalize it, mm -hmm. right? Like not take it on as being about me. That's him being him. He's probably grumpy like on a Saturday afternoon in the Caribbean. Like he's probably yeah. just grumpy, right. right? Or whatever the story is. And so changing that thought, taking power over the thought and recognizing that it's, it's just a brain, mm. right? It's not you. It's a thought that you're used to having. Mm. Does that? So powerful. Okay. So powerful. And I think that's helpful for a lot of people. Right on. Because we always get caught up in our thoughts, especially yeah. as women. I mean, Absolutely. we are so yeah. critical of ourselves. Yeah, and I'm thinking back to when you said earlier, I am an anxious person. Oh, I, there. Yeah, I did it. Yeah. I did the I and the me. Yeah. yeah, I know. Which, like, to be real is like a colloquialism, right? Sure. So it's we repeat the things we hear. Sure. Like, I am like of the 90s, right? right? Like, I say rad and dope and, like, sound like a total <laughs> moron to millennials, I'm sure. But whatever. I am All who good. I am. Okay, All cool. Good. Thanks. <laughs> um, but, yeah, personifying those kind of experiences just continues to like create that concept that we are hardwired or you know just like I'm genetically just anxious like everyone in my family is just anxious mm -hmm. but I want to call BS on that story yeah. and say that that's not real yeah because right? when you we own can... it then you believe it right and it is a self-fulfilling process exactly yeah. body mind spirit soul mm -hmm. all the parts yeah right I also want to say from a place of love 
like sometimes our genetics lead to like detox, you know, malfunctions and things that lead us to have a propensity towards certain expressions. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out how to say this to lay <laughs> audience to not say things like MTHFR gene yeah, mutation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, yeah. right, we are the product of both nature and nurture. Sure. And we can change our lived experience of things like anxiety mm -hmm. by recognizing that we are not anxious. We are experiencing anxiety. Wow, that's so powerful. Right? So powerful. Yeah. And get your B12 levels checked. Yeah. <laughs> and take a probiotic. <laughs> right, right, right. And take a nap, right? Guys, get your thyroid checked. We're getting to the end, um, and I cannot believe how fast this show goes by. I just feel like I could go on for hours mm. with you all. Um, but I want to give you the opportunity, if I miss anything key and important, because this is such an important topic for so many people, especially women, just, you know, Please, um, if there's any last um, or parting thoughts you want to mention before we take off, just jump in there. I'll just, okay, I'll just say um, this because I'm sort of a mathematical person. Um, getting back to, you know, you're not your thoughts and changing your thoughts. Um, uh, there, you know, there's this whole school of positive psychology at UPenn, and there was this ratio that um, for every, for three negative thoughts, it's three to one, three negative thoughts to one positive thought. That's hmm. the impact. And that struck me. So going back to, this is just something anybody can do. Going back to the notebook and the pen is when you're having a negative thought, write it down hmm. and then write three positive thoughts next to it. And one of those thoughts can be funny. Um, I like to use a lot of humor. Humor is a part of positive psychology. So don't forget to add that into your life. And so, you know, just so you have three positive, you know, to take that one negative and turn it into three positives. And writing is powerful, right? They say yeah. don't put anything in writing that you don't want to. We've all <laughs> learned the hard way that way. Right. This is a good thing. This is a good thing to do when you're, you know, for writing. Yeah. So, yeah, that would just be awesome advice. Yeah. Awesome advice. I just want to quickly add to what my colleague said that based on what we're talking about thoughts, I just wanted it's a whole different topic. So maybe that'll be another yeah. uh, lecture. But thoughts are energy. Oh, and wow. It's a yes. Whole think about it. So, what you think and what you believe in and what you act, uh, you will manifest. So, don't think your thoughts are just some thoughts in your head. You will manifest it. So, it's very, very important to keep it positive. Yeah. What um, is in your, what your mental state is will reflect in your environment. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so true. Victoria. Yes. <laughs> Leave uh, us with some nerdy thoughts, please. Oh, my goodness gracious. <laughs> All right. Um, so I really actually want to leave us with empowerment thoughts, right? right? Like when a mammal is socialized as a woman, there's so much that's put on our shoulders, right? So much we're expected to take care of. Um, and we started the show by talking about that focus on taking care of our other people instead of ourselves. Yeah. And I really want particularly young women to learn how to take their lives back right? Mm -hmm. Start with your thoughts and the feelings they create. Start with small rituals and small habits. Learn to say no. Oh, like, wow. Yeah. Right? If the so girls true. are going to the bar and you're like, yo, I've been drinking too much. <laughs> like, either go to the bar and get a seltzer with bitters, my <laughs> secret trick, or like, don't go to the bar. Right? right? Yeah. Like, learn to check in with yourself, which all the tips we've, we've shared today will help you do that. But check in with what you really want and speak up for yourself, mm. right? Speak towards your best wellness and in service of your own health. If you don't want to do the dishes, ask for help. If you don't want to walk the dog, ask for help, right? right? But don't be scared to reach out. Um, it's okay to not be that superwoman because it's, it's a myth anyway, right? Right, right. 
Yeah. Awesome. Guys, thank you so much. Um, where can everybody find you if they need to find you or want to find you? Um, so I'm at bloomingwellness.com. And that's Erin Stair. Erin, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Erin oh, Stair. That helps. <laughs> um, Blooming Wellness. Okay. And Shireen? I think you can just Google me, Shireen Fernandez. She said, I'm Google also. <laughs> <laughs> and Victoria? My website is victoriaalbina.com, and I post daily on the Facebook something that we call Concrete Action of the Day. And they're a small, easy, quick tip of something you can do to support yourself and your wellness. They're generally free things you can do and generally feature a really cute animal picture. <laughs> we love Which those. I think we all need. Yeah. Um, so that's Victoria Albina Health and Wellness on the Facebook and Victoria Albina FNP on Instagram and Twitter. Yeah, and um, also make sure you follow Schooled Podcast on Twitter, Schooled Podcast. It's at Schooled Podcast. Instagram, at Schooled Podcast. Facebook, at Schooled Podcast. Really easy, no excuses. Thank you for tuning in. We look forward to having you next time. Bye. Bye.